You're listening to a Monster Kid Podcast. <laughs> we interrupt this broadcast to bring you this special message. How's it going, eh? Today's show on the Monster Kid Podcast Network is a classic. Hosted by two comedic geniuses who've watched way too much North American cinema from the 21st century. Mike Pisacano and Anthony Cilio. Entitled Cinema Marketing, this podcast chronicles the heroic adventures of two latter-day consumers of film and the marketing surrounding them. Or, to use the correct 20th century terminology, losers. We hope you give it three thumbs up. Oh, welcome to the Christmas episode of Cinemarketing. The trailers may have lied to you, but we won't. I am your host, Mike Pisacano, and who am I joined with today? Anthony Jolly Old Cilio. And we have a good friend joining us who is the expert of all things Christmas movies, and I knew that I had to have him on the show uh, for this. Uh, Joe, why don't you introduce yourself to the people? I've seen all the Rankin Bass Christmas movies. My name's Joe. Yeah. Even the bad ones. He's seen like the traditionally animated ones. He's seen the one about like a cricket on Christmas. Like, what's it called? It's called Cricket on the Hearth, sir. And you will show it some respect. <laughs> okay. Cricket on yeah. the Hearth. Joe, explain everybody your history with Christmas movies in general and uh, your reasoning for being on this episode specifically. Oh, I love Christmas movies. I love all the animated ones. I own all the Rankin Bass ones. I have seen probably every. You have Christmas a box set. I have all, a box set. You have a box set. Yeah. Oh, every year you come over to my place and we watch uh, as many of them as we can because not all of them are winners, folks. Like, yeah, there's, you know, Santa Claus coming to town, Rudolph, all that. But then there's Rudolph and Frosty's Christmas in July. The and- Cricket on the Hearth, Leprechaun's <laughs> Christmas Gold. <laughs> yeah i'm a little drummer boy and i've seen all of these just because of him yeah so that was the thing that me and joe pre-covid we would do every year but you know past couple of years and and this episode specifically we're all in in remote locations last minute having to me i'm waking up in a cold sweat trying to figure out how i'm going to record audio from three separate locations i never had to do that before but uh, i think we got a pretty decent setup and hopefully we can make a good episode out of this uh but Thank God for the internet, Michael. Yes, yes, we can we can sit on our beds and record about the Polar Express. All aboard the Reddit moments. All right, so we're doing the Polar Express for this episode. Um, of all the Christmas movies, like why this one? What was so special about this movie's marketing? Well. It's because it's still being marketed to this day. It's still the the movie that is for some reason touted as a Christmas classic and they bring it out in theaters every year and it still is treated like, you know, a, a, a cultural staple for Christmas, but yet not a single person that I know likes it. In the words of uh, my friend, it's it's a boring movie where nothing happens. <laughs> It's a boring movie where nothing happens. Honestly, okay, so I want to know from you guys. We was getting a little bit ahead of ourselves, but what is your personal relationship? We've gotten to our personal relationships with Christmas movies in general, but I want to know, what is your personal history with this specific movie? Because I'll tell you one thing. I have never seen this movie up until uh, this week when we all watched it together. 
So I have had three previous times I tried to watch this movie. Every time I've done it, I have fallen asleep within the first 30 minutes. <laughs> I, and outside of that, as a kid, I thought it was horrifying looking. So I never saw it. And we're all a little too Joe old is. to have this movie be synonymous. I know a lot of people, this movie was shown at school. Like there was like big, like wheel in the TV with the VCR DVD player type movie. We were too old for that. By the time this movie came out, I was, you know, I was already in like almost fifth grade. Like, yeah, no, for, for me and Joe, that movie where they wheeled in the TV and the VCR for us, it was the, fucking little rascals movie which is still to this day one of the worst movies i've ever seen in my life i hate those ugly stupid kids they're uglier than every character in this movie and i all and i don't like any of them you don't like the scene when the kid farts out a bubble mic uh, god that whole movie was just gross kids doing gross shit and i and i hated i hated life i hate as a kid i would watch anything that was animated uh, except for this movie for some reason but I hated live action kids movies. I didn't like, I didn't watch home alone as a kid. I didn't watch any like the, the Grinch. I thought they were all just like, I didn't like live action kids movies. I was like, I knew better that I was like, Oh, these are bad. But for some reason, but all animated movies, I was like, Oh, it's a cartoon. It's gotta be good. Uh, even for things that, uh, that wouldn't be considered good. Um, I'll, like this movie, but I, I never watched this as a kid. I don't know why I didn't like actively avoid it. It just never came around to me. So, I watched it as a kid, but never fully. I always would watch the 25 Days of Christmas on ABC Family, which would inevitably play this over and over and over again. So I never was able to watch the movie in one sitting because the movie on ABC Family with the commercials is like two and a half hours long. And even when the movie's only an hour and a half long, it feels like it's two and a half hours long. And when it's actually like two and a half hours long because of commercials, it feels like it's five hours long. So. I've always watched, I was always watching bits and pieces, but never all the way through. Yeah, you, you know, you, you got to watch this instead of all the other great Christmas classics on ABC's 25 Days of Christmas, like Toy Story and Harry Potter, because those are Christmas movies, apparently, now. Yeah, listen, I, I think that there are some instances in which, like, a movie that has Christmas scenes can be co-opted as a Christmas movie. Like, okay, Little Women, I will accept as a Christmas movie. Toy Story, not a Christmas movie. Shut Sorry. up. Little <laughs> Women is not a Christmas movie. Shut up. Most Little of the movie's Christmas. So <laughs> if somebody online argued Francis Haas an Easter movie, you'd be like, yes, <laughs> just because it's <laughs> Greta Gerwig. You know what? You know what? Francis Ha is a Christmas movie. There's a prominent Christmas scene in it. Yeah, you know what? This is, movie is so ubiquitous. Like, I remember the day we were going to watch this movie together. And I was out to dinner with my family. And on the TV in the restaurant, they were playing the Polar Express on ABC. Uh, well, now it's Freeform. But it was just on in the TV. I'm like, Jesus, this movie's following me. It's omnipresent. It's everywhere. So let's actually talk about this movie, right? It's directed by Robert Zemeckis. Yep. And it's directed Tom by Hanks, Robert Zemeckis, Eddie Deason, Sorry, Tom Hanks, Nona yeah, yeah, Gay, yeah. Peter Scolari, Michael Jeter, Leslie Zemeckis. I'm guessing that's his wife. That was his wife at the time. She plays uh, the sister and the mother of Hero Boy. So literally two minutes of screen time, not even. <laughs> yeah, this is a this was definitely a very this is a very uh, in-house like 
this felt this is like a, a home family project like a family like a family's like home movies like robert zemeckis is making it and his wife's in it and tom hanks is playing every character it's like this is a very in-house uh production type of thing and also this is the beginning of the end for robert zemeckis where he just decides i'm gonna make all of my movies are gonna be this creepy weird animation live like motion capture hybrid it's this then he does beowulf and then after that is the Christmas Carol, which honestly, I I prefer this movie over the the Jim Carrey Christmas Carol. Um, it's this it's certainly a little bit better animated wise, but I it's just it's so boring. I'm done with Christmas Carol shit. Like I'm done with Scrooge. I don't want to see him again. Yeah, it's 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 totally overdone. That and Gift of the Magi mm-hmm. parodies, not it, man, not mm-hmm. it. But this is also Gift of the this, Magi this... parody is amazing. Okay, okay, fair. Fair, but I don't want to see yeah. any new ones. We're We've got done. Franks and Sense. We're, 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 we're done with that. Like, that's it. That's it. No more Gift to the Magi. Yeah. We're, we're set. No um, more Santa Claus gets the flu and the main character has to become Santa and fly across the city to no more try giving, and cross the world. No more giving orphans the perfect Christmas. I don't want any of that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, God. but anyway, um, so production yes. companies Warner Brothers, Image Movers, and Castle Rock. Which, if there's a Castle Rock logo on something and it ain't Seinfeld, I don't give a fuck. Because you know what else was a Castle Rock production that we did on the show? Kangaroo Jack. <laughs> I, what even is that company? Like, what is it? I don't even know what it is. I think it's like Stephen King's Stephen King stuff and Seinfeld, and then I don't even know. Yeah, they. they it's just weird. Somebody someday we're gonna have to do I, a deep dive into the Castle Rock production history. I, I figured Castle Rock had something to do with Stephen King. Does he like? Is it like Amblin, where he just like threw money at it, and it's like this will do all yeah. of my I mean, shit, also, and then occasional other shit. That like Spielberg has creative say on what goes on in Amblin. Like anything that you know, it has. I'm pretty sure anything that has Amblin on it has to go through Spielberg. You know, is Stephen yeah. King approving this shit? Is Stephen King going? Yes, Seinfeld is good. Well, I mean, I, I can't imagine opposing Seinfeld, but um, True. back to other production. So Image Movers, that is the um, the, the co- production company that does all of the motion capture animation shit. Uh, and I believe after Mars Needs Moms, uh, they uh, went bankrupt and, uh, and dissolved as a company. That's one we're going to have to do. Oh, the Mars Needs Moms. Oh, yeah, Mars Needs Moms is a disaster of uh, of a production history, and uh, that's and gonna be a marketing. long episode. Uh, um, so now we move on to some of the taglines that were for this movie. A, a lot of these uh, emphasizing the IMAX 3D. Uh, all aboard in IMAX 3D this holiday. Take the journey in IMAX 3D, and and I think that 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 is also the main uh, crux of this movie. Was this? I don't think this was the first IMAX 3D movie, but this was certainly the one that brought IMAX 3D into like the mainstream. Was it real D or was it red and blue? I have. It a, couldn't be real because I, 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 I thought I thought Avatar was like the first general release real D movie. Am I wrong on that? I don't know. I'm trying to see what type of 3D this was. The movie was released on November 10th, 2004. Before like this movie had even gone into production, the book it's based on a children's book, The Polar Express, and it was written in 19 in the 80s. And it's a very simple, straightforward story where it's like a kid who's like not who doesn't believe in Santa. The, the train pulls up to his house at night 
And then it takes him to the North Pole and he meets Santa. But it's a very, very straightforward, like he's not going through Santa's workshop on a big factory roller coaster thing. There's not like, you know, it's not going off the rails and there's like a big chase scene. There's none of that. Tom Hanks isn't in the book. (laughs) Steven Tyler. Honestly, I don't even the music number. No, Steven Tyler's not in the book. God, yeah, that, that all the stuff that I'm remembering about this movie is just like, yeah, it, it feels like a movie that isn't real. Like, it feels like a fever dream. But yeah, yeah so when this book an extended was, hot cocoa dance. I mean, I mean, there is a scene in the book because I, I, I didn't I did look up one of those like, you know, audio books like on YouTube and it was read by Liam Neeson. Uh, <laughs> and so <laughs> I don't know why that's so funny to me. Liam so Neeson reading the book. Polar Express. The Polar the Polar Express pulled up to my house. They gave me hot chocolate. The Mobambo sicko mode kid asked. <laughs> does he do his American accent or does he do his natural Irish accent? Tom Hanks said this is a Reddit moment. <laughs> uh, we're going to get, listen, I, I know we keep making that joke. We'll get to it eventually. When this book was optioned, Tom Hanks had optioned it with the condition that he wanted to play the conductor and Santa Claus and he also wanted the film not to be animated. But then once Zemeckis came on board, he, he felt that live action for this movie is in, unfeasible. And he claimed that it would, quote, look awful and it would be impossible. It would cost $1 billion instead of $160 million. Um, I mean, it, listen, I don't know how we feel about the animation of it, but I, it still looks awful, honestly. Like, it's not like it's not like be, being animated saved it from that. No, no, I really think the only image movers production that looks good to me is beowulf yeah beowulf does look very uh good and i and i guess the other reason why i'll give i'll give the jim carrey christmas carol a little bit of credit over this is that like i don't know they give them at least a little more cartoony features like he has a big chin and a big nose and stuff so it's not like such an uncanny valley thing yeah i think i think they did that on purpose because you know um whenever you talk about the polar express inevitably someone's gonna go it looks so creepy because it does. It's right in the uncanny. Yeah. It was square in the uncanny valley. Yeah. So, I, so it feels like this, this like in between of like live action and animation feels like it was like the compromise that Hanks and Zemeckis made where it's like, it's not a hundred percent animated. Like you're still, you know, doing actorly stuff and it looks photorealistic enough for the time at least. So it's like this weird in between, but now it just looks really ugly and unsettling. At the time, I remember when it came out, everyone was sort of talking about how good it looked, though. It's just, you know, was it, 10 years later. Yeah, I want to yeah, know, is that because of the animation that it looked good, or was it let it looked good in IMAX 3D, and, like, the IMAX scenes looked good, like all the roller coaster stuff? and I, like. I think it was. I think it was the animated. It was one of the first, like, full mocap movies that was really big. And when you see it, like, at the, I think by good, they mean technologically impressive but it aged like fucking milk. Like Avatar, people said, was a good-looking movie. Avatar, the visuals, in my opinion, aged like milk. I don't think it looks that good. Yeah, nowadays, Avatar, whenever I whenever I get a new TV and I want to try, test out like the visuals on it, uh, I, I put on Avatar for some reason, and every time I watch it, I'm like, wow, this really just does look like a video game cutscene. Surprisingly, you know, the best thing to test total aside, but the best thing to test TVs with go on YouTube, just search Marvel 4k, just get a clip from Avengers. It's got booming audio, beautiful visuals. That's what you use to test the TV. 
So yeah, so this movie is also listed in the 2006 Guinness Book of World Records as the first all digital, all digital capture film. Yeah, I think this was like because we're coming off of in the Lord of the Rings where Andy Serkis played Gollum as a motion capture character, and then it kind of opened the floodgates. I didn't honestly, I wouldn't have expected it to happen this quickly. Where it's like we're gonna make a whole movie like that. I would have thought like, okay, maybe we'll test our ground. Maybe we'll have two characters that are motion capture in a movie. We'll have Gollum and Scrimblow. Those will be the two mocap characters. Okay, so moving on from like the the production history of how it was made, how it came to be, the there are some, some time things that have come out in the recent years. I don't know if you've ever seen these things, but there are many cities that have like their own Polar Express train ride exhibit type of thing. And I put a video of it uh, here. I don't know if it'll come through in audio that well, but it's like you go onto this train and it looks like the set in the movie. And there's a guy who's dressed like the conductor who's going around and like, you know, putting on an act. And then like they bring out the hot chocolate. If you really liked the Polar Express that much, I'm sure it would be very cool. But honestly, I, th- I, 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 as a kid, I don't know how you guys feel about this. I always get creeped out by like, you know, very highly interactive like things like even Joe, I know how much you you adore like Renaissance fairs and stuff. To me, I get a little bit too intimidated whenever people are putting on an act and they're like, you know, getting in my face about stuff. And I'm just like, I'm just here to I'm just here to enjoy myself. I don't I don't want to be part of this act. Ready to be punched, folks? Be ready. Have them ready. Thank you very much. Very good. Are you sure you're on the right train? We're going to the North Pole, you know. Very good. Tickets ready? Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you. That's the weird thing about this movie, right? It became like, maybe it's just because it's a Christmas movie. It became synonymous with like events, like Polar Express experience. Because when you think about it, the movie being IMAX 3D was kind of an event in and of itself. So it's like, you know, you have the Polar Express, the train ride. I see a lot of Polar Express breakfasts where they have like hot chocolate and they watch the Polar Express and they have like, you know, you know, Christmas themed breakfast. But, you know, you have that, but then you also, it's not all just that. You also have regular tie-ins. Like, this had a McDonald's Happy Meal promotion. It had toys. You know, it still had, it, it got the best of both worlds. And I think that's one of the reasons why this movie lived on so long is because of its, you know, status as kind of an event in and of itself. Yeah, I, and I think basically any Christmas movie can kind of get away with that type of longevity because it's like, not only is it like it's inevitable that this is going to come back around next December because it's a Christmas movie and people are in the mood to watch Christmas movies around Christmas, but also because of like the technological feat of it, it would get re-released in IMAX at 3D every year. Yeah. And we'll go over like the box office returns of it, but like it's one that like was still doing numbers like in years yeah. after it came out. And it, it's kind of crazy too. Like maybe this is just like you said, part of it just being a Christmas movie because even things like Charlie Brown, every year, that's an event. People watch it on TV. Like, it's always a thing. Like, we need to watch Charlie Brown on TV. I remember when Apple got the rights to that, right? And they pulled it from TV. And they're like, we're just going to air it on Apple TV+. Plus. Boomers lost their fucking minds. They're like, you, you have to show Charlie Brown on TV. So Apple had to make a deal with PBS just so they could show it on TV, even though they weren't even charging for it. They were saying, we're going to put it on Apple TV+, Plus, but you could stream it for free. You don't even need a subscription. They were not having it. Yeah, I mean, movies, yeah. It's, it's all about the feel, man. When you're watching these movies, 
the whole point it's not you know what's watching these for the story right like nobody's watching charlie brown christmas because it's some amazing epic it's because it pushes that little button in your brain that activates the nostalgia goggles you're, you're sitting in there and all of a sudden you're not uh you know some 56 year old with hemorrhoids sitting on the couch you're like a 12 year old little kid again with the wonder <laughs> of christmas well, yeah. i like the hemorrhoids detail that's that's very yeah. uh very iconic yeah. <laughs> I mean, also, this is that's a theme that this movie is playing with, like the nostalgia of like wanting to be a, a kid again and believing in Santa and like the magic of Christmas that's faded because you're a cynical adult at the age of 12. <laughs> yeah, we all we we all want to be like train conductor Tom Hanks. So also, this I want to be had... Napoleon Elf who picks out Napoleon Elf voiced by Joe Pesci, who does the <laughs> naughty nice list. That's who I want to be. Is it actually Joe Pesci? <laughs> No, but they all of these elves that are in the North Pole are like these like old crotchety like Italian mobsters. Like, hey, get get out of here! Shan is coming. You you want want to be on the naughty list? Get the fuck out of here! Like, get out of here, you fucking mammoth! You want to be on the fucking naughty list? I see you. I'm 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 the elf on the fucking shelf. All right, so so this movie definitely uh, in the spirit of every uh, animated movie from the 2000s had a video game adaptation. Um, I watched a couple of Let's Play videos on it just to get a sense of what it looked like. All aboard the Polar Express video game, a magical train on a journey to the North Pole. Meet memorable characters from the film. As you dash across train tops, ride runaway rail cars, and climb through stacks of presents. With iToy, you can drive the train or decorate the Christmas tree. Get ready for a journey like you've never imagined. The Polar Express, all aboard. I mean, the, the video game animation graphics look about on par with the movie. Yeah. I mean, it, it's not a it's not necessarily a compliment towards the game's favor. It's more of like a diss towards the movie's effects. But <laughs> but Mike, we didn't even yeah. we forgot. Um, we didn't even we didn't watch the trailers. Yeah, we, 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 we skipped over a couple of those. Yeah. So, you know what? Uh, why don't we take a look at the teaser trailer for the Polar Express? We played I played a full trailer at the end of the last episode as like a hint towards what was coming. But I feel like this this teaser trailer is kind of the one that sets the mood for you. And maybe it would have made more sense for me to play that at the end of the last one and play the real trailer at the end of this one. But yeah, let's just watch the teaser trailer for the Polar Express. Christmas Eve many years ago, I lay quietly in my bed. I did not rustle the sheets. I breathed slowly and silently. I was listening for a sound, a sound I was afraid I'd never hear.
Well, you coming? Where? Why, to the North Pole, of course. This is the Polar Express! I mean that 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 trailer was the first like five minutes of the movie truncated and I will say that it does do a good job at like setting up the mood the atmosphere of the movie and I do like the the ominous nature of like the train that just pulls up and then Tom Hanks conductor just says well are you coming <laughs> yeah it doesn't show you it, it gives you a little glimpse of like getting on the train but you never see what's inside the train you never see any of the other monstrosity children that are on the train it's just the train pulls up and it's like it's going to take you on a journey and i think that that's a a, a good introduction point for a, t- a trailer to do and also i didn't really expect this to be the beginning of the movie and I think that this is where I'm going to give the movie a little bit of credit because I'm like, they really do just get on the train like immediately like that, that tra- teaser trailer, like that is how the movie starts, maybe with like give or take one or two extra minutes. But I really was expecting there to be like this long drawn out, like 20 minute opening. And then there's like a scene where he has like, it blows up his family. Like, well, maybe I don't believe in Santa. And then that's the inciting incident. Yeah. Or something like that. Yeah. There's, like, gl- there's like a I'm scene of we- them at breakfast. Like, so you ready for yeah. Christmas? See what Santa's going to bring you? Rolls his eyes, eats his cereal. Parents look at each other concerned. I was waiting yeah. for that. He goes to school and tells one of the younger kids that Santa doesn't exist. And then he gets into a fight. <laughs> yeah. You know, I might have had a Mandela effect moment because before the movie started, I could have sworn that there was a scene in that movie like this. <laughs> it's so cliched. Like, you just thought it was going to happen. It was either this one or I'm thinking of the beginning of Krampus, but I could have sworn there was a beginning section where the kid is just being a jackass to his younger brother. How did you I mean, this that, movie confused no, with Krampus? I mean, listen, that is definitely a thing that does happen in Krampus. So it's I'm, I'll, I'll give you some leeway there. <laughs> the fuck, man? Look, Christmas man. movies really Christmas movies really is the same. Christmas, That's all it is. Christmas movies is the same. <laughs> That's uh, it. Festivals are the same. I think before we get into talking about the movie, we're going to get, I'm going to give you a little break now to lead into uh, our full discussion of the movie. But instead of during the break, what we normally do, which is, you know, play alternate teaser trailers and TV spots and stuff related to the movie, we're, this is a Christmas episode. We want to get into the spirit of Christmas. So I am going to play a random assortment of some of our favorite Christmas related commercials uh, yes. just to, you know, set the, the Christmas tone. Uh, and we, none of us know what they're going to be yet, but we'll we'll conspire on them, and they'll be uh, in the break uh, coming up. They're so, going to be good. Uh, yeah. So why don't you go get yourself some hot, 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 hot chocolate, and and join us for our second section where we talk about the movie The Polar Express in more detail, and then we get into all of the all of the surrounding materials that came out after it was released. So you 
you think Santa will like these red and green M&Ms? I don't know. I never met the guy. <laughs> he does exist. They do exist. Oh. Uh, Santa? We get the hole at Christmas. The rockets are all a dancing. The choir is a singing. The sleigh bells are a ringing. Never was there ever such a Christmas show. The Radio City Christmas Spectacular. It will fill your heart with Christmas. Taking someone that you know. Someone that you love. To see the Radio City Christmas show. So now that we're back from our break, it's time to board the Polar Express. And let's actually talk about the movie in full. So we did all three of us watch this movie together uh, this week. uh, And it was probably the first time that all three of us have seen the movie in full. Like we had all probably seen it in like random bits and pieces, but we never saw the whole movie before. So this is our first time watching this whole movie so what do we what do you guys think about the movie the polar express eh, it, it was fine <laughs> it was like yeah. it was the most whatever movie it was like yeah fine it's a christmas movie i'm very happy i, I it, it's it's good that you would only watch this movie once a year because i would definitely not want to watch it more than once a year this movie stretches what should be a 15 minute story into an hour and a half and it feels like it 90% yeah. of the, the set pieces in this movie are just because Hero Boy is a jackass and doesn't know how to give a person a ticket. Yeah, he, he doesn't know how to mind his own business. And definitely, I agree with Joe. Um, where the wild things are, this is not. Yeah, because you know what? I also reminds me of the, of, uh, the movie, which is also a, a Christmas short that was i think adapted from a children's book is the snowman the snowman this movie wants what the snowman has uh the snowman is the definition of fucking perfection like if there's a criterion release of a christmas animated christmas special it has to be the snowman no contest how long is the snowman that 30 minutes like 30 minutes case in point i rest my case yeah, and it's it's dialogueless. The the snowman brings the kid, and also in that art style where I feel like this movie they wanted to like have some sort of animation to because he said that would help tie it into the art style of the book. But I don't think that the movie itself actually does emulate the art style of the book. I think that they probably should have gone for a more traditionally animated route that looked a lot more like the illustrations in the book. And I think that that probably would have been at least a little bit more endearing. But yeah, this I will say this. I I also I did not hate this movie uh, as much as I thought that I would, because I had always in my head, I just built it up like all oh, the Polar Express, this boring movie that looks ugly and everybody loves it because it's just Christmas related, but it actually sucks. And that was just my perception of the movie for years. But actually having to sit down and watch the whole thing, I was like, yeah, you know what? This it's not that bad. Like it certainly doesn't look great. And it's got yeah a lot of a lot of padding in the story where it's like every scene is just like a big like roller coaster action chase scene but i will say that it does the thing that joe talked about before where it pushes those christmas buttons in your head that's like you know what it's christmasy enough so i can let it slide but only for this for this finite time of year this within this 30 day window period where i will let bad quality stuff slide a little easier 
Mike, did you just say easier? <laughs> easier. Yes. Easier. The Cinemarketing Podcast is inventing new words every day. Easier. Mm. Somebody call Oxford. I love that. But anyway, so we know what we think about it. What do the critics think about this movie? These are the critics' opinions. All aboard the Rotten Tomatoes Express. So Rotten Tomatoes, uh, this movie has a 56% overall rating with 208 reviews total, 116 fresh, and 92 rotten. The critics' consensus reads, Though the movie is visually stunning overall, the animation for the human characters isn't lifelike enough and the story is padded. That is the most perfect consensus I have ever ever seen on rotten tomatoes that is i will say i 100 aside i will say a, a visually stunning how so though like as far as the yeah dude there were some shots in characters this, there were some shots in this movie that were visually stunning like that shot of the mountain of them swore, going up the you know the, the the winding mountain on the train i think the uh like the like the animals in the movie look great the settings look nice yeah, I think it's like all the background stuff. And there's like also a lot of like, you know, like long take camera trickery stuff that you can't do in live action. Like that scene of like the ticket flying out the window. And it's like a two minute segment of like watching the ticket flying around in the sky. But Everything yeah, but I think it looks great. <laughs> yeah. I, and the story is padded. Uh, yeah, because the also but also the first like I'd say 45 minutes of the movie is them on the train. And then once they get to the North Pole, I was like, what are they going to do for the rest of the movie? Like we're already here. And then, yeah, what, what they end up doing is they, they fuck around in like the Santa's workshop factory for like 15 minutes. And it's like, yeah, this just feels like an, like an extended side quest in a video game. Like it just feels like, you know, a, an extra thing to pad on where it's like, we don't need this. And well, anything to get away from fucking Mandark kid is good because I said it before uh, and I'll say it again. Like, Mandark is fine for like an 11 minute Dexter episode. If I got to listen to that fucker for 90 minutes, you could scratch your ass. I'm not doing that. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll talk about Glasses Kid in a bit. Um, <laughs> he is but yeah, the let's, worst now let's... part of this fucking terrible fucking. It's not terrible, but the worst part of this movie. Unbelievable. Uh, so now let's move over to Metacritic, where the overall Metacritic score is a 61 out of 100. 23 positive reviews, nine are mixed, and four are negative. The highest rated review comes from none other than Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times, a movie for more than one season. It will become a perennial shared by the generations. It has a haunting, magical quality because it has imagined its world freshly and played true to it. A hundred out of our one hundred from from Roger Ebert, which I think that yeah, you know what it's it it sounds like Roger Ebert gave this movie a, like a high score just because of like again those things we said like it pushes the Christmas buttons in your brains like oh this is a new Christmas classic it reminds me of Christmas uh, I I can re- uh, I can abandon all critical thinking skills yeah, yeah like I said the rating I don't necessarily agree with the number rating no but the the description like the actual review like. Yeah, he's not wrong. He predicted it. He he predicted yeah. it. Like this has become this is like like I said, we're a little old for it, but when you look at people younger than us, the Polar Express is a very important movie around the holidays. He, he says for every season, <laughs> Polar Express is good for exact for like Mike said, there's that 30-day window right after Thanksgiving and right before December 25th. That is when Polar Express is good to play. Once December 26th, you know what? 
Yeah, no, you know what? Once December 26th comes around, nah. This this movie yeah, I think does not that, hold up after December. Yeah, and that means and that means a lot because Joe and I are Italian and we recognize Little Christmas. Like, no, <laughs> this is this is this is December twenty sixth. This is out the window, gone. Yeah, and I also think it it it'll factor into like the movie's release date, which will be the next thing that we talk about and how it performed there. But let's get to the worst review now. The worst review. The result is a failed and lifeless experiment in which everything goes wrong. Peter Travers of Rolling Stone gives this a 25 out of 100. And um, I, mean, I gotta say, listen, yeah, from, from anyone, I would be dubious of that. But from Peter Travers, who he like, as long as it's a movie on the screen, he'll give it four stars. Like, it, this is like a low bar for him. Yeah, this, I, I think he was unnecessarily harsh. Like, dude, come on, yeah. it's Christmas. Literally, it's the holidays. anyone... Literally, anyone listening right now, just go over to your DVD or Blu-ray shelf, pick out a random movie, and I guarantee you that Peter Travers' name is on one of the critics' quotes in there. Mike, I think every time Peter Travers comes up, you mention that. It's always true. (laughs) Mike, may I ask? Yeah. Is the Metacritic review from Peter Travers dated? Is there a date? Is it, like, is there a date on it? Probably the week the movie came out. Probably December 2004. Uh-uh. Movie yeah. came out November 4th, you said, Mike, right? So let's lose that to seg- segment it into uh, the movie's release date, where it was released. We said it was released in theaters on November 10th, 2004. And on its opening weekend, the movie came in at number two on its opening weekend with $23 million. And because the number one movie was the second weekend of The Incredibles, which grossed fifty million on its second weekend, As it and should. it's like you're opening an animated movie the week after the biggest Pixar juggernaut. Like, are you are you serious? Like, it's almost like did you try to bury this movie? Like, but then again, they kept bringing it back, so clearly they didn't. I think it's just a matter of like you want to release it sometime in November, so that way it has like time to hang around and then it'll like pick up more during December. Because if you're looking at like- Here's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking like they released it the second week after The Incredibles came out because they knew they couldn't release it the same week. But I think they also banked on the fact that this is more of an IMAX movie, whereas Incredibles is more of just a regular movie. So it's like they really tried to, I think they kind of did the separation between the two. At least that's what I think. Yeah, but I will say that. So it comes out the second week of The Incredibles. And then the week after this movie comes out, the SpongeBob movie comes out. So it's sandwiched right in between two animated movies. Now, I can imagine that SpongeBob. Oh, actually, SpongeBob made more on its opening weekend. It made 32 million. So, yeah, it kind of sandwiched in between two much more successful animated movies. But I think that with because Polar Express has at least that extra month in December where it's like because it hangs around in that top five for a lot longer than a lot of those other movies do. So it definitely had like the benefit of like the Christmas season and the IMAX 3D, like Mm. keeping it like alive during like the holiday season where it like needed to do the most money. And so on its total domestic gross in its initial release date, it grossed 187 million domestically and a total of 315 million worldwide. And if you also, if you look at each individual year, so in the year it was released in 2004, it its total domestic was about 162 and worldwide was like 286. They released it in IMAX again the year after 
which added another like $10 million to its overall haul. Then the week, the year after that is like 3 million year after that is like 2 million. So they keep re-releasing it every year to get an, an extra million or two out of it. And, and still to this day, every year it has an IMAX re-release and it does at least somewhere between like the 500,000 to $1 million mark every year. They're just so going to keep milking this cow for all it's worth. Yeah, and it's like, even if like, yeah, five people go to see it in the Christmas season, it's like, again, it's kind of been treated like it's an event thing where it's like, get the family, go see the Polar Express and IMAX 3D. It's like, it's it's less of a movie and more like Christmas movie, The Ride. Because like, yeah, we point out that there's a lot of scenes where it's like, first person perspective of like going down a big roller coaster drop like things that are completely infeasible like in universe like why would they build this this train track that's going up on like a vertical axis that's made out of like wooden coaster track like the train wouldn't be able to be held up on like wooden coaster tracks but yet they're in this movie yeah that's the one thing that we didn't mention that i'd like to mention too this movie we talked about it being an experience man this movie has way too many scenes of just, this is a roller coaster. It's a first person shot of them going crazy down a track. Like it's, there's too much of that. Like it, it, it's like when you watch an old 3d movie and they keep doing things to point to the screen. Yeah. There's way too many spectacle moments and it sticks out so badly. You look at it, you're like, yep, this was an IMAX movie in 2004. And I looked into it. It was red and blue 3d real D did not exist at this point. Yeah, and those spectacle moments, they happen so frequently, they get boring after a while. First time you have that first-person perspective shot of the train going down the tracks like it's a Six Flags roller coaster ride, it's great. You're into it. But then by the time you're at Santa's workshop and they're doing, like, the the fourth or fifth roller coaster section, you're tuned out. And I can't imagine kids who are younger than, like, six staff being able to, to stay awake during this movie. Because honestly, it goes on for too long and not enough happens to keep a young kid invested in this. I agree. I agree. Let's get into some of the awards that this movie was nominated for. And surprisingly enough, a staple of the show, but not a single kid's choice award. So I guess the kids really didn't like this movie that much. Ain't for the kids. They fell asleep. Yeah, but uh, <laughs> Yeah, they all <laughs> fell asleep because it's a yeah, fucking snooze. Is- Oh, this is everybody's mother's favorite Christmas movie. No, yeah, this definitely does feel like the movie where it's like, yes, it's a very like safe, predictable, like I could show it to like, you know, my my dad or something or like, well, not your dad specifically, like our dads who are like, hey, it's a cartoon for babies. But like, I don't know if you're like, you know, for someone who's just like, it's just for it's for normies. This is a normie Christmas movie. Yeah, and that's probably why it's so popular. Everyone who loves fucking yeah. Friends just fucking loves the Polar no. Express, dude. I will still say, I, I'll say this. I will. Ra- I would rather take this being reappraised as like a millennial Christmas childhood classic over the Jim Carrey Grinch movie. That movie is like hot I'm, shit. That movie sucks. I, oh, 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 shut your that horn out. That's an excellent movie. That is a Kino film, sir. The scene, the scene where the Grinch takes Max the dog's asshole to the mayor of Whoville's mouth is pure cinematic genius. You want to talk about a snooze of a movie that feels like it lasts six hours long? 
it's that fucking garbage film. Yeah, also a movie that was taken from a 15-minute story that gets padded out to two hours for no reason. This movie got a couple of Oscar nominations, though. It didn't hit with the kids at the Kids' Choice Awards, but the Academy Awards uh, certainly went for it in Best Original Song for the song Believe, which is the end credits song. And I remember when we were watching the movie during the end credits, you were, you, one of you just blurted out, like, this song is awful. Like, who wrote this? And, and turns out, it was Josh Groban. Honestly, like while we were listening to it, before we looked up who actually was singing the song, I 100% thought it was Michael Bolton because it just sounds like that type of song. Yeah. Just like a deep voice male just crooning about, you will believe. Yeah, it's it's literally just fucking every animated movie, especially Disney movies, had to do that thing where... They have a ballad during the credits. It's it's awful. Yeah, and honestly, like, it's not like the rest of the songs that are in the movie are great, but, like, there were better options to pick from. Like, honestly, like, I think that When Christmas Comes to Town is probably a better song to, like, pick if you were going to pick one song from this movie that was, like, oh, this could be, like, you know, the sole song nominee from this movie because it's, like, it's actually sung by characters in the movie and it's, like, it can be taken out of context to, like, oh, this is, like, a nice Christmas song, I guess. You know, the one good thing for it, and I will give it this over the Grinch, it's not Where Are You Christmas, which is a horrible goddamn Where Christmas song. Where are you Christmas? It's, it's so bad. I hate that. Oh, but you know what? Even, and I, and I will say this, uh, this is uh, another uh, personal story that I have. So when I was working retail uh, a few years ago, uh, there was, you know, how working at retail is during Christmas. You hear the same three Christmas songs over and over again. It's fucking, yeah, Santa Claus is coming to town, Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer, all that shit. And then all of a sudden, one day, I'm just hearing, da-da-da-da-da-da, and that's the way things happen on the Polar Express. And I'm like, what the fuck? Are they playing Polar Express music? Where did this come from? <laughs> Telling you, man, it's iconic with the kiddies. They they love that yeah. shit. They love their Polar Express, man. Of the, uh, the winner for Best Original Song that year was not believed from the Polar Express, but it was... From a movie, uh, the song was from a movie called The Motorcycle Diaries, which we looked up what this is about. And it's a Spanish language movie about like a young Che Guevara. Oh, okay. Weird, weird choice, but whatever. Not getting into politics, uh, but Che Guevara was not a good man. Not a good man. Yeah. They <laughs> all, stop yeah. making but movies also, about him. But he yeah, stopped but also, the Polar Express from winning for, if you just yeah, believe one good about. thing he did is. <laughs> You know what song was nominated that year that didn't get in was Accidentally in Love from Shrek 2. If there was a winner out of this bunch. Wait, actually, they they nominated Accidentally in Love, but not I Need a Hero? Bonnie Tyler wrote that song in like the 80s. It doesn't count as a Shrek 2 song as much as as much as we've claimed it to be, though. I've never heard the Bonnie Tyler version. You never heard the original I Need a Hero? I mean, honestly, I think the Shrek 2 version is better, but... The only version of that song I know is sung by the fairy godmother, okay? We stan a girl boss. She, oh, she, she is... Uh, she's gaslighting and gatekeeping, too. She is all three. Yeah. The trifecta. Yeah. Uh, and the only other Oscars that this movie was nominated for was Best Sound Editing, which it lost to The Incredibles, and Best Sound Mixing, which it lost to Ray. So just just so I can remember, sound mixing is sound effects and sound editing is just noise. I don't know. Uh, Honestly, I think it's a good idea that they just made one sound category at the (laughs) Oscars. Nobody knew the difference. Best sound, 
Yeah, like honestly, like even the people within the sound branch don't know how to differentiate it. They're like, I don't know who worked on the mixing and who worked on the sound. We all just kind of did all the sound. Just make it one category, and it's 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 a lot easier to keep track of. I don't have to explain this shit every year. It's just like, yeah, one sound Mike category. Is, just Mike, you're sound. getting you take a deep breath, Mike. You're getting heated about I, the Oscar category that doesn't even exist. A, a sound a sound editor like tripped Mike up one day when he was walking to the train. It cost him the job of his life. His whole life was ruined because of that sound editor, and he's never and let I it say, go. And I, I say, you know what? I hope they only make one sound category of the Oscars just to spite you. I'm uh, going to watch my but movies also, on fucking mute. Another awards show making its triumphant return to the show after its uh, inaugural appearance in Kangaroo Jack, the Stinker's Bad Movie Awards. Oh, this movie was nominated. This, yeah, this movie was nominated for Worst Christmas Movie, along with Surviving Christmas and Christmas with the Cranks, which was the eventual winner. That makes sense. That that, that tracks. But it also feels like kind of mean to include the Polar Express in with those movies now. Christmas with the Cranks created a series of really crappy computer games. And when Mike and I, we went to grade school together. So in computer class, all of the games were on our computers. So I have played every single Christmas with the Cranks game. I remember playing Icy Tower on the computers as a kid, but I don't remember the Christmas with the Crank game. You don't remember the game where you threw snowballs at the guy as he's trying to take down the the snowman or whatever? Oh, there were like Flash games? They were like Flash games on the movie website? They were like old Flash games. They were on the computer. They were on the computers in computer Mike, class. Put that, add that to the Google Doc for when we do Christmas with the Cranks next year. Um, we need to find oh, these. Yeah, that, yep, that's a, a a look forward to what uh, to next year's Christmas episode. If we're not Christmas all dead the by then, if we're not all dead of the Omicron <laughs> variant by then, we'll uh, we'll do Christmas with the Cranks. Omicron sounds like a fucking Decepticon. Like it's a, a, a Omicron rollout. Omicron rollout. What would his vehicle mode be? I'm trying to think. An ambulance. <laughs> <laughs> Good one. Oh, God. Yeah. All right. I, I miss when Megatron, right, what was it, Megatron, that just used to be a fucking gun? Like, you just turned it to a gun. Fun jokes now. Now let's move on to, so the other song that, the other uh, award that this was nominated for at the Stinkers Bad Movie Awards, it was nominated for Worst Song for... Chocolate. That's the best song in the movie. That's a banger. These people are just contrarians. It's a, They're just trying. It's to a be... very. It's. I mean. I mean. It's. It's a very silly song. It's a very like weird, obnoxious kind of song. But it's. Yeah, but it's like forty-five seconds long. Like, yeah. Yes. Yeah, yeah. It's. It's. It's not enough to get worked up over. It's not enough to make a whole category about it. <laughs> um. But the winner was. The song Hala by the Baha Men for the Garfield movie. I did not know the Baha Men made music past 2001. I was I didn't unaware. Know the Baha Men made an original song for the Garfield movie. <laughs> well, well, when we get to Garfield, we'll have to uh, think about that one too. I can't All wait until right, we so do now, that in a tale of two kitties. I'm sorry, John. I think the Baha Men made the song for this movie. <laughs> we don't have hot chocolate, John. We have the Baha Men. Oh, wow, Garfield have another Lasagna. Yeah, do you think that ba- that uh that Garfield was disappointed that it wasn't the Bazania Men? That was a was stretch, that a Mike. Joke? That was a stretch. I tried to give you a pity laugh, <laughs> right. Mike. I'm sorry. Why? I, I, I that was a yeah. It was here. You Garfield. deserved more than that. 
It almost sounded like I was trying to say Bazinga. Ew. Zimbabwe. Listen, Mike, Mike, don't don't feel bad. That joke wouldn't have been made by the guy who made the Garfield comic. Jim but Davis. It would have no, no, it wouldn't have been made by Jim Davis, but it would have been made by the guy who tried to break into Jim Davis's house. Okay. <laughs> the guy who tried to kill Jim Davis. Oh my god! It's the guy who tried to kill Jim Davis. I'm Garfield. What is going on? <laughs> Let's talk about some of the maymays that have come out of this movie. Um, not as many maymays. as Spider-Man. Not as many epic maymays as Spider-Man from a few weeks ago that we talked about. But there are a couple of uh, of famous ones. Uh, and one of them, I don't know how widespread this is. And every time I try to show it to somebody, they're like, this is the dumbest thing I've ever seen. Why are you showing it to me? Well, good news, uh, listeners. You Now you get to listen to this, too. And let me just give you some context. So the image, it's literally just an image of the conductor and then uh, much some guy doing... Leave, just, just leave it, just yeah. leave it. They, they got Tom Hanks to do a meme, okay? No. <laughs> it's got 78,000 okay, views on YouTube. Here it is. Well, could you actually post that? A wholesome 100... Everyone like that, Keanu Chungus Musk, Area 51 Pornhub, Anti-Vaxxer Marvel, Minecraft Good Fortnite Bad because that's what heroes do to deserve new poop and doggos me? Did you actually post that shit? Did you? Did you actually post that shit? You motherfucker! You son of a bitch! <laughs> gotta say you sir win the internet today did you actually post that shit did you actually post that wholesome 100 you won the internet for today bullshit did you you motherfucker dude Um, the guy who does the impression i'm convinced it's tom hanks because it's so good I think the one sells it is the laugh, the ha ha ha, and then the the this is a Reddit moment in the the cadence of the all aboard the Polar Express. <laughs> again, I don't know what yeah. convinced him to make this and to do it like this and to use the yeah, Mister Donald Express. a Donald Trumpler on YouTube is the name of the guy. <laughs> the top comment is edit. Thanks for the gold, kind stranger. <laughs> Come on. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, Yikes, yeah. let's unpack I, all I say, this. That's all I gotta say is to the top commenter is did you actually post that shit? <laughs> did you? <laughs> that's yeah, what was the where did you find that? Like how I did don't you know. how did you come up with I'm gonna go through you know what even do this? I'm gonna go through our text messages and see when I sent this to you and where I possibly could have found yeah. it. I learned about uh, this through YouTube too. watching the movie. Yeah. Yeah, because we the whole movie we were just sitting there like, oh, it's a Reddit moment, like for no fucking reason, other than like we knew this meme, and anyone who doesn't is just gonna be like, what the fuck are you talking about? But uh, yeah, look, yeah, Reddit moment, uh, it's great. It's it's one of the funniest memes videos that I've seen recently, and uh, I'm sorry that so many so many other people. That's 
That's all right. Um, but then the other famous meme from this kid from this movie is the glasses kid voiced by Eddie Beeson. And it's just Wait, a video, it's just 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 the, the picture of the kid's face. Like you you don't even need a like a, a, a caption or like you know text under it. You just post the kid's face just looking at you, and it says a thousand words. This one you can hear uh, the picture. From, you could hear the picture. You could just hear his fucking disapproval at you when you post it. But here's another like little uh very 2018 reference video that was made with the you kid guys from uh sicko mode from... or mobamba. Sicko mode or mobamba. Uh... Why not both? I got home. I'm not fucking listening to that. Uh, the... That's enough of that shit. All right, the but dancing anyway, waiters is what sells it. <laughs> I think the joke is that like he looks like Anthony Fantano, and it's like no, he more... looks like a fucking backpacker hip hop nerd who'd be like, "Yo, I love Travis Scott." <laughs> Wait, so yeah, he was in Fortnite. Oh, Wait, by the way, Mike, why are you talking bad about yourself? Shut up. <laughs> Listen, Rodeo was a great album. Astro World was really good. That's it. What about what about the uh, Travis Scott Astro World tour? What do you th- got to say about that? Tragedy. Everyone everyone should be held liable. That has nothing to do with his music. Hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, by the way, Mike, when I was looking through our texts, I searched Reddit. At one point, I asked you who was the most Reddit president. <laughs> it, it has to have been. It has to be Bill Clinton, right? Oh, uh, Reddit. I do love me some Reddit. Yes, All right. So is drive Reddit, and then you said that I said letterboxed is Reddit. <laughs> yeah. Oh God, I should have brought that up when we did drive on this show. Drive is fucking Reddit. <laughs> it's a great film, though. Anyway, so the movie was released on DVD and VHS on November twenty second of two thousand five, a whole one year after its release date. And it's definitely, yeah, because of that Christmas season holdover where it's like, well, we're not going to release it on DVD in March. Why don't just save it for the next year and release it once Christmas comes around again? Because nobody thinks like in middle of March, oh boy, I'm going to pop in the Polar Express and watch an hour and a half movie about a Christmas train. Could you even imagine if a movie today, any movie, it doesn't even matter if it's Christmas, any movie that doesn't come to home media release until a whole year, a 365 days after it's in theaters. That's some Disney vault tier shit. Yeah, like like nowadays, like movies come out on DVD while they're still in the theater. Like they're yeah. on streaming like the week after. Like here's here's a little here's so... a little thing. Here's a little uh here's a little thing about the DVD, actually, but before we even talk yeah, about it. Let, yeah. Yes, let's put on the the uh, the, the DVD uh, the the TV commercial for the DVD. This holiday, take a ride on the Polar Express. I've wanted to do that my whole life. And bring home the ultimate two disc special edition DVD to the North Pole, including an all new song. See how Tom Hanks created his many characters. I am the king of the North Pole. And play all new Christmas challenges. The Polo Express. Buy it Tuesday on DVD and see it in 3D only in IMAX theater starting November 23rd. Well, Mike, it actually does make sense now that I think about it, why it came out like a year after on DVD, because the movie came out around Christmas. The movie's in, in theaters until January. 
are they going to release a DVD of the Polar Express in like fucking March of the following year, April? No, they're going to wait until Christmas. Who's going who's gonna to fucking buy it? Yeah, that, I mean, that's what I said. I did bring up that point that you're not going to release a, a Christmas movie on DVD in March. But yeah, no, I get it. Yeah, I get the like, I get the reasoning behind it. But it is like it is like baffling to to think about like um waiting a whole year for a movie to come out on DVD. Yeah, like, if it, it if just it feels really, like part it was of a, really timeless. Like Roger Ebert said, they would have fucking released it whenever. Hey, it took them. It took them a whole year to render that extra song about the conductors that they made <laughs> in the front of the train. What were their names? Like yeah, Stinky that, and Stinky and Dusty or something? Smoker. It was Smoky and Steamer, which again, Smoke. they sound a little too close to, to fecal matter related businesses. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta take a Smoky Steamer real quick. God. Yeah. Sorry, I, I don't mean to speak ill will of Michael Jeter. This was his last film role and he died uh, shortly after this movie or was during he? production of the movie's he was Smokey and Steamer. Uh, what else has he done? Who's, I don't recognize the name. Oh, he, he played Mr. Noodle on Sesame Street. What? Uh, That's Mr. Know, Noodle? Old. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Mike, Mike you just made, yeah, well, he, we just made fun of Mr. Noodle. I feel like an asshole now. No, we didn't make fun of him. We just like, we, we, anyway, yeah. So You're keeping he was also, sitting, he right? had some, <laughs> I'll, I'll, I'll put in like a, yeah, I'll, I'll talk about his class, his roles. He was, he was a role he had in Jurassic Park 3 and in The Green Mile, and he had some voice work and a lot of stuff. So, yeah, no, he was like a working character actor. He was in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. So, yeah, he had some movies that he was in as like a side character. And then, yeah, he was the Smokey and Steamer in The Polar Express. And I think that he did die during production, and the movie is credited to him at the end. Um, he died on March 30th of 2003. At age fifty, um, you know, I, but yes, I could have I could have sworn yeah. they were voiced by uh, Jim Cummings. I don't know. A lot of these voices sound like they could be a lot of different people, but uh, nine out of ten times it's Tom Hanks. So let's move on to uh, the poll question uh, for this week. So now the poll question that I put at the end of last week uh, of of the last episode it was for the movie The Hunt, uh, which came out last year, the very controversial film The Hunt. And I put up a poll question that said, in honor of the the stupid controversy around the movie The Hunt, what is the dumbest controversy that surrounded a movie? So the four poll options that we had were Benedetta, which was the recently released Paul Verhoeven uh, lesbian nuns movie that got religious protesters all up in arms. Uh, The interview with Seth Rogen and James Franco about uh, killing Kim Jong-un and it was pulled from theaters uh, from threats of nuclear war by North Korea. Joker, based on like a lot of uh, fear that like a movie about the Joker would inspire some like Reddit incels to shoot up movie theaters. Um, And then The Matrix, which in the wake of Columbine, a movie about got people who shoot guns and wear trench coats. It was thrown into like the media God forbid we have a movie yeah, about but- navigating trans identity. That's just going to ruin the youth. Come on. Well, I mean, it was more about like, you know, just the gun violence. But anyway, the so that's the most surface level violence. reading of The Matrix. I think, ever. Well, yeah, well, The, the Matrix the is the Pew Pew movie. It talks about the guns. It's bad for the children. <laughs> yeah, I got to say that one, in my opinion, because I wasn't on that episode. That's the dumbest one for me. 
garbage yeah i think the matrix i i would say the matrix yeah it was just in the in the midst of like you know late 90s hysteria around any movie that has violence in it as like it's corrupting the youth but it's like you know and and doom and like marilyn manson were thrown into the mix as well in like the post columbine days so yeah um but the winner of this poll ended up being joker with 31 percent of the vote with about an equal 23 percent going towards all of the other movies but yeah so i i think i voted for the matrix as well because yeah again i just don't like whenever like you know we just pick on them uh any movie that like you know has violence in it as the reason for why violence in real life happens and i guess joker also falls into this category so i can understand why that was uh that was picked up on see the joker movie did but- actually cause violence in real life though because a lot of dumb assholes would go to those steps and oh, the steps. The, they would try to do the joker dance and the steps oh, wow. are kind of a rough neighborhood that doesn't really appreciate hipster douchebags and clown makeup jumping down your steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah Joker is going to Anyone, be... we, we, Joe and Mike, like, near, we're all near the Bronx. That, that, those steps are, yeah, it's not the nicest area. And we, you know, if you live here, you know where those steps are. And just seeing all these people go there and just, Try to gentrify a fucking flight of stairs. <laughs> Come on. Because of a Bush Kapow movie. Because of, of a fucking a funny Bush movie. movie. An action figure <laughs> <Yeah>. movie. <laughs> uh, yeah. So for this episode, we're going to ask, what is your favorite animated Christmas movie theatrically released? So that way we can get around like, yeah, obviously the Grinch and Charlie Brown and the Ranking Best <laughs> stuff. Like that's all classic stuff. Those are TV specials, and we want to limit it to strictly like animated movies theatrically released in theaters, or or at least somewhat, because Klaus is one of our options, uh, which is a Netflix movie, but I think it it qualifies. Uh, So we have Klaus, but the Polar Express, obviously, uh, just being the basis of this episode, uh, The Nightmare Before Christmas, and Arthur Christmas. So I don't know what you guys are going to pick. And then I feel like this is heavily skewed but Nightmare Before Christmas is obviously the best movie on this list. Like, I I love Klaus, but I think Nightmare Before Christmas is just, like, the... It's, like, one of the most perfect Christmas movies to me. Like, I, it's so creative, and it does push the Christmas buttons, but I think that is an evergreen movie you can watch whenever. As the Christmas movie expert, Joe, I want to hear your opinion. What's your favorite movie on this list? I'm very, I'm very biased on this one. I absolutely love Klaus, and I think it... Klaus came along in a very interesting time for me like i was very down in the dumps when that one came out and uh, it was actually at a phase where i was like man i'm i'm kind of tired because i would have told you back in the day that my favorite christmas movie was the santa claus is coming to town rankin bass one and the magic on that one was sort of dying for me and then klaus just comes along which has a lot of these like beautiful little moments but it's also very funny and entertaining to watch so i gotta vote yeah, in the animation yeah, and the animation is a- absolutely next level on that movie. I was surprised uh, when I saw that movie. I discovered it last year, and that that's going to make it into the rotation. It's it's a great movie. Um, yeah, isn't and isn't didn't wasn't it like in development hell for like it took like uh, years and years to make? 
I'm not sure. Um, I'm not familiar with a lot of the. I'm not familiar with a lot of the history of Klaus's. Because uh, I know it started as like I, it started as like a project, like a film project, like two film students made, and then it just like grew and grew. I at least, I could be totally wrong about this, but I remember reading somewhere it took like five or six years to animate this fucking thing. It looks like it. Like the the animation styling is just so unlike anything. Like it, it it's like what whatever the guys who went through Cuphead. Like it looks like that level of yeah. technology, but for a movie. Yeah. Um, it so yeah so those are that's our poll I'll put it up on Twitter you can vote in the poll there and we'll show our options on the next episode um, so we're coming to the end of this episode now and I want to go around the horn everybody give what your rating for the Polar Express as a movie from 1 to 10 is so just based so this is just our this, a, a, yeah, a your rating, rating for the movie overall I, I give it like a seven, six, and maybe like a six. I'll say six. You know, it's funny. I was going to say six too, Mr. Cilio. Like it's, it's like an average run of the rope, run of the mill Christmas movie. Um, I think part of the reason, Mike, you might've been like, ah, fuck this movie before we started watching it. Might've been just because the movie gets a little bit overblown around the holiday season. It's treated like, oh, this is the Christmas movie. It's not, it's a, it's a fine Christmas movie. I think it's a little bit too long and a little too boring for the younger ones but it's as a christmas movie goes yeah i think that a lot of the goodwill that comes from this movie is just like a lot of the christmas nature around it so i think i'm gonna give this movie i'm gonna maybe a little lower than you guys but it's not by much i'm gonna give it a five out of ten like right smack dab in the middle it's a very average middle of the road kind of movie overall and it's a it's a movie it reminds me a lot of the movie dinosaur by disney it's like a lot of technologically advanced things that were being put into place and like like a lot of the themes and ideas like i think that kind of work but ultimately it's just like way too boring and long and very ugly by today's standards to be like totally enjoyable so I think that's where I have to stand on it as a movie overall. But honestly, better than I expected it to be. Like, I thought I was going to hate it. And for our rating for how we feel the marketing did at advertising the movie uh, from 1 to 10, what do we give the rating for the movie's marketing overall? I'd say the marketing is pretty good, but not perfect. I'd say I'd say probably about a, an 8 because the marketing like you said especially that teaser is very understated but the movie especially after that first 45 minutes is not very understated and it turns into just uh, an amusement park ride so actually like even lower i'll say a seven it gets there it's almost there but i feel like it underplays the movie too much i'm gonna go a little higher actually i love that t- that first minute minute 45 teaser that we get we get of the movie it sells the wonder of christmas it sells that big belief beauty it show it knows what the good shots in the movie are because the big focus on that is the train and it doesn't overstay its welcome which is something that the movie does but does it you say it like uh has a whimsy and has a good christmas feeling but does it advertise the movie well does it match the movie that's what i'm trying to say i'm saying it doesn't Uh, match the movie well, for it tra- makes me go in expecting this understated, quiet train movie, and I go in, and next thing I know, I got kids, I got Mandark going down a slide into a giant sack of presents. I think it's good yeah, at, you know, at, I will- at capturing yeah, what yeah, the yeah. movie is trying to be, right? 
like this movie wants to be this this insightful big belief movie and not you know goofy mandark going oh hi did you know that the capital yeah. of minnesota is saskatoon <laughs> <laughs> that, that sounds like a line he would say honestly so i would i would i would overall i'd give it like an eight i think it captures the vibe of what the movie wanted um i think what probably hurt this movie marketing wise the most was just when they decided to put it out i think if they had waited another week or two maybe put it out the week after spongebob instead of the week before uh you might have they might have seen uh better returns but i mean i don't think they have to worry about the returns because i think that part of the marketing of this movie is just keeping it alive year after year and just like, you know, trudging it out every year in IMAX 3D, like the big spectacle, the big event presentation of it. And I think that for yeah, the, the initial marketing, I think that that first teaser trailer, I think that, yeah, that vibe of like that wholesome, like understated Christmassy feeling. I think that it's not entirely inaccurate to the movie. Like, I think that there are parts of it that do capture that idea. Like, I think, yeah, the opening of the movie I think that even the the scene where they sing Christmas Comes to Town, I think that that sells it. And even some of the scenes in the North Pole, once he meets Santa, I think sell that like, you know, spirit of Christmas idea. So it's like it is there in the movie. There is a lot more of like, you know, the highly like exaggerated roller coaster, big event spectacle stuff that I think some of the other trailers probably leaned into a little bit more. Um, but I think that. Yeah, I think that this movie is kind of an example of how marketing is able to keep a movie alive past the day where it would be relevant. So I think, yeah, I think that it probably is deserving of like maybe a seven as far as marketing goes, because I I think for for a while it, it managed to market itself as being a modern day Christmas movie classic just on the basis of being that, like just on basis of being a, a Christmas movie. And so, like, for years, I had just assumed, like, oh, the Polar Express, that's a Christmas movie, that's a classic movie that, like, everybody loves. It's not until later on where I was, like, you know, trying to understand the movie where I'm like, why is it like this? Like, why do people like this movie? Is it just because they're told to? Is it just because it was marketed to them that this is a Christmas movie that they should cherish? So so I say no to that. But I think that overall, having now seen the movie, I think that in context, some of the marketing is accurately reflective and some of it may be a little bit more more overblown a little bit hype so yeah i think that probably a seven is a a, a decent um, enough uh a decent enough score for it and i also think that out of context just that that first teaser trailer it's it's very uh effective and it and it evokes it's very evocative of of like a a, a christmas feeling that i could watch out of context so yeah i think that that's where i land on that one and that is the end of our episode that is the end of the Polar Express Christmas Spectacular episode of Cinema Marketing. If guys, you want to you want to say any any last goodbyes, any any goodwill towards your fellow man in the Christmas season that you want to send out there before we uh, sign off. Merry Christmas, Happy Hanukkah, Happy Kwanzaa, Happy Winter Solstice, whatever you celebrate. Happy New Year. It's going to be a great one. So just make oh. sure you uh, spend some time with your family. Happy Festivus, Joseph. everyone. Have a good evening. Yes. Yep. <laughs> yeah. For the you, rest ha- of us. And Festivus for the rest of us. Uh that's the that's the that's the holidays that we need that we saw. Oh, Festivus is today. It's December 23rd. On the day that we're uh, recording this, it, this episode will probably be up a couple of days later. But we're 
recording this on the day of Festivus. So yes, happy Festivus to you guys. Get over here, what are some your, It's time for the test. Yeah, what are some, well, I think it's some of our grievances. What are I got a lot of problems with you people. So one of my biggest problems, one of my the airing of grievances for you, Cilio, is that you are not on this show enough. And I think that we, we need to uh, have a couple of more episodes together. We're going to try to be a little bit more uh, consistent in the new year. We're going to try to crank out some of these uh, with more effort and, and a more consistent schedule. That's my promise for the new year. And that's what I'll leave us off on. Um, you uh, you can follow us on Cinemarketing Podcast on Instagram. That's where I post a lot of the the images and the trailers and a lot of the promotional stuff that we are going to talk about in the episode. So if you want to follow along with the stuff that we're talking about, you can see it there. Uh, and also on Cinemarket Pod on Twitter. Twitter is where I put the weekly poll. So you could vote into the poll question and your you could have your answers influence the uh, the poll results that we'll read on the show. And and uh, that's it. Uh, listen to us on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, anywhere you listen to podcasts, we can be found. And let us know what what are some movies that we should cover in the new year. We got a we got a lot to work with. So uh, thanks again for listening and Merry Christmas, Happy Holidays, and Happy New Year. Coming soon to theaters from producer Jerry Bruckheimer, Johnny Depp. Jeffrey Rush, Orlando Bloom, in a door for Binsky Films.